morning. Man, this is an awesome day. I want to welcome everyone who's, who's watching by way of video. You're either in Extension School or on our online campus, and we just want to tell you that you guys are awesome, and you've not only got grace to start, you've got grace to finish, and, uh, and, you, and you have the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah? Say, we're, say, say I have fruit. I have good fruit. Praise God. And you know what you want is, you know, for people to taste and see that the Lord is good. And how's he, how's he going to do that if you're, if you're manifesting your flesh? And look, every day you wake up, you don't have two different natures. Just get, get over that. You don't have two natures. How many natures do you have? When you, before you were born again, you had one nature. That was the nature of the devil. That's why, that's why we sinned. That's why we did the things we did. That's why we lived the way we lived. How many of you can attest to the fact that after you got born again, that even when you did something wrong, on the inside, something was grieved about that? I mean, man, I, the stuff I used to do when I, when I was a world-class sinner, after I got born again, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Look, here's the deal. New creation people, righteous man of God and woman of God that you are, you're ruined for sinning. You can't even enjoy it anymore. That's a testimony to the fact that you've got his nature on the inside of you. That's not something to get condemned about. That's just... You know, if you start to do something wrong and something in there is scratching on the inside, right? Then, then you, you say, praise God, I'm born again. I can't enjoy this anymore. Amen? Praise God. So the righteousness of God on the inside of you, that's the nature of God. It doesn't, it doesn't sin. You can't sin from your spirit, man. But you can in your flesh. True? Yeah. So the bottom line is, is we want to learn to uh, Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 21, talk about all the works of the flesh. And he, and he said, if you practice these things, you will not inherit. How many of you want to inherit fully what God has for you? Okay. But then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit will help us to inherit. Is that true? And all we have to do is yield to it. You don't have to try to make this happen. You, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And we learned in the last lesson, you're patient. Man, you need to tell yourself, I'm patient. And patience is my friend, not my, not my enemy. All right, praise God, I'm going to tell you funny. I only have good funnies. This is, this is called following Facebook. For, tho for those of my older generation, like, like me, who do not really comprehend the need for Facebook, presently I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles. <laughs> Therefore, every day I walk down the street and tell the passers-by what I've eaten. how I feel, and what I've done the night before, and what I'm going to do tomorrow. 
Then I give them pictures of my family, (laughs) my dog, my garden, and spending time in my pool. I also listen to their conversations, and I tell them I love them. And it really works. I already have three persons following me. (laughs) Two police officers and a psychiatrist. Praise God. I really don't need to know all that on your Facebook. All right. This is Fruit of the Spirit, lesson number six. Have you learned anything from this? Okay. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Everybody say patience. And Hebrews 6.12 tells us that through faith and patience... We inherit the promises. Okay, remember what Galatians 5 said? If you practice yielding to the flesh, you will not inherit. But the fruit of the Spirit, well, here's a verse that that confirms that, that tells us through faith and patience we what? We inherit the promises. And patience is, is a key ingredient in possessing our inheritance. And there are many things we miss because we're not willing to wait on the Lord for. Look, guys, how many of you want the best and not just the good? And sometimes the good is the enemy of the best because we're not willing to wait on God. And uh, you cannot receive from the Lord with your eyes on the clock or the calendar. Just forget it. You cannot receive from the Lord. And those of you who have a prophetic gifting... Stop all this calendar prophesying. Because what you're doing is setting people up. You might have a legitimate word, but you're setting people up to let go of that word as soon as that date passes. Forget it. Why would you do that? You have to have a rhema word from God to put a date on something. Are you hearing me? Just stop all that. And in, and if, if, if you had a word from God... And it didn't happen in the time frame that you thought. You need to go back like I did and, and, uh, with, that, with uh, God's promise for our house. And you need to pick that, th- that, that promise back up and hold on to it. Well, how long do you have to believe? Well, are, you're a believer. I said you're a believer. <laughs> Dear Jesus, what do believers do? Believe. Believers believe. How long do you believe? You just believe for a little short time? No. Look, how many of you, how many of you are born again? Those of you watching online and those, how, how many of you born again? Okay. How did you get that way? You had to believe. What did you believe? Well, you believed in Jesus, but what did, what did you believe that God did with Jesus? He raised him from the dead. You, is that true? You, the, the way you get saved, Romans 10, 9, and 10, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. Believe. Everybody say believe. <laughs> believe that God raised him from the dead. So the way you got into the kingdom is you believe God raises dead people. And then, and then, then you believe that your name's... Ra- Look, you believe God raises dead people, but did you see the event? And yet you still believe. 
and yet you believe your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you believe that? Have you ever seen the book? And you believe you're going to heaven when you die. Have you ever been there? Listen, you, you're a very, your very eternal existence, <laughs> your very eternal destiny is staked on you believing in an event that you never saw. You believe your name's in a, written in a book that you've never seen, and you're going to a place you've never been. Your very eternal existence. And how long have you believed that? Have you seen it yet? But yet you still believe. And you're sweating a little financial thing or a little, a little healing you haven't seen yet or a little financial blessing. Come on, guys, get with the program. We're believers. How long do we believe? My eternal existence is based on believing that something I haven't seen yet. And why, what, so then, I, look, I'm a believer. That's what I do. That's who I am. You're a believer. That's, that's what you do. And, and how long do we believe? Well, how long have you believed you're going to heaven? <laughs> so come on, guys, get with the program. By grace, I mean, not by works, okay? I'm a believer, and how long do I, I believe until I see it? And I don't let go of it. I hold on to it. Hallelujah. That was, that was worth the price of admission right there today. And you add to your faith patience, okay? That, look, patience is, is not saying, you know, it's never going to happen. Patience is... That's, that's the thing that helps me hold on to the fish once I got it hooked or hold on to the house or hold on to the car or hold on to the job or hold, or hold on to the maid or whatever it is I'm believing for. I'm not believing for a maid. I, I, got, a, I got a good one. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm holding on to her, though. I'm married to my first wife. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Do not put its self-imposed time frame on the promise of God. You're a believer. If it's worth believing for, you stand until you see it. Well, how, you know, you, having done all to stand, you stand. And well, how long? I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait on nothing. I don't want to do that. Look, guys, we're believers. We, we just believe and we, we, we hold on. And that's why you're, you're wasting your time praying for things that you're not sure God's grace has given you. Just forget it. Stop all, you're, you're confusing your believer. When, when, because you, a man, John 3, 27, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. I, I'm, I don't want to believe or pray for anything that I'm not sure heaven has assigned to me. And you'll, you'll, your prayer life We'll go, we'll go off the charts uh, successful when you stop praying for stuff that you're not sure is the will of God. Matthew 7, 7 said, uh, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so what, what, how I interpret that is ask for what you're sure about, that God's grace is assigned to you. Seek God about what you're not. And then knock, just don't, 
don't let go. You're not knocking on heaven's door. You're just, you're just being persistent and you're not letting go of the promise of God. And you'll see a lot more. Look, you, you'll, you'll, you'll not be uh, so frustrated and everything. You just stop praying for things that you're not sure God has downloaded to you. Only pray for those things that you're sure about and then you hold on to that and, 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 and don't put a time frame on it. You cannot receive from God with your eyes on the calendar or the clock. Yes? So I'm helping you here, guys. I'm, I'm repeating this. But some of you just needed to get it that second time. Okay, the devil may hinder me, but God always causes me to triumph as long as I don't, what? Quit. God always, the devil can hinder us. I mean, he can jump in the way and, you know, detours and delays and disappointments. But God will turn every disappointment and delay or detour into a divine appointment if you and I won't you know fall apart like a like a ten dollar suitcase? <laughs> Andrew Andrew knows about two dollar suitcases. I have I don't know. It used to be two, but anyway, all right. So uh, let's talk about faithfulness now, and and it, and it says faith in uh, in the King James, and but it's it's the, it's faithfulness. Okay, it's the same Greek word, faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to who? Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I mean, this, is, this verse is what this Bible college was established on, 2 Timothy 2, 2. And that we have to commit things to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. Well, what we try to do is commit to able men and hope that they'll be faithful. But God, what God says is commit to faithful men who I will make able. God adds ability to faithfulness. He doesn't add faithfulness to ability. That's why if you're pastoring or you've got a ministry or even a business, look, if I, when I was pastoring, we had all kinds of talented people come through. Man, they could, they could play the guitar. They could do all these things. But um, I didn't, I, I let them sit there and serve for a while before I promoted them, before I platformed them. Yeah? You can get in trouble platforming people too soon. You want to find out what, they, what they're made of, what they what kind of character they have. And I want to talk to you about, we're talking to you about the faithfulness of God that you have already in your heart. Now I know you're not going to jump up and down and shout over this, but God, if you, you're, when you see the benefits of faithfulness, you will. And this verse describes the quality of a person that we're to commit ministry and leadership to, one who has developed the fruit of what? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.1 Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. One be found faithful. Faithfulness is, is one of the primary character traits that must be found in individuals who are going to be entrusted with leadership and managing the Lord's business. Now, guys, I, this is not about we all have this on the inside of us but you can yield to your flesh and not manifest this, okay? 
And, and what I'm telling, what I want to, what I want you to focus on today is, is first of all, what, what the real definition of faithfulness is, and then I want you to see the benefits of it. Because I don't think faithfulness, you, you thought, was one thing, and, um, and, I, and I, well, I want to tell you uh, in, just, in just a minute as we get in your outline what it really is. So Matthew 22, 14, many are called, few are chosen. Are you called by God? Okay, but you know, Paul said, I was called and separated under that call. The call and the separation under the call is not the same time. Remember in Acts 13, they were, they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. The call comes before the separation. And the separation to the call doesn't happen for ever, to everyone who's called. Are you hearing me? Is, is everyone who call, who's called going to be separated under that call? No, they're not going to fulfill it. Why? Many are called, few are chosen. Why? So Revelation 17, 14. And those who are with him, this gives us the answer of why many are called, few are chosen. Those who are with him are called, chosen, and what? I rest my case. You see that? Why is it many are called and few are chosen? He told you right there in Revelation 17, 14. Those who are with him are called, chosen, and what? Faithful. Faithfulness is the, is the distinguishing character trait of, of, those, of those who who are chosen by God, who are separated, another way to say it. I mean, we're all chosen, but, but not, in this con not in the context here of we're called, but we're not separated under that call until we've demonstrated and that we're yielding to faithfulness that's on the inside of us. Few, few are chosen because few are faithful. Bottom line. I mean, that, and that's just... And I, I watch people, especially, you know, when, how they handle money and how they treat people. And when I pastored, I did not know what anybody gave. I don't want to know what you give. I don't want to, why? I don't want to be tempted to treat the $50 a week giver any different than the $500 a week giver. I don't want to know what you give. But if I'm considering you as a leader in my church, I will know that you give. Because if you're not faithful with your money, you will not, if you're not faithful in that which is least, you will not be faithful in that which is much, or who will commit to your, if you're not faithful in that which is least, Luke 16, you will not be faithful in that which is much, which has to do with eternal souls. Because how you, how you handle money shows me how you're going to treat people. Are you hearing me? One reason people do not fulfill their God-given potential is they don't comprehend the full scope of faithfulness or they do and they just don't embrace it. So we're going to talk about that and it's in these following verses here uh, because the context is faithfulness. Commit to faithful men who shall be able and then he just goes down a list verses. This is an expositional message right here. It's just, you just take it right out of the, out of the text and, and it tells you all about faithfulness. I thank 
First Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. Here's another verse that confirms God adds ability, enablement to faithfulness. He enabled me. Why did he enable him? What was it that caused God, God's ability to be added to Paul? He enabled me because he counted me what? He counted me faithful, put me into the ministry. Are, are, are you seeing this? How many of you guys want him that would like him to add some ability to you? Okay, there's no secret. There's no secret. This is not rocket science. He adds ability. He, he gives additional enablement, more grace to those who are faithful. And, and we have faithfulness, but whether we're demonstrating or not is something else. And that, and that word is enablement, ability, and promotion are the results of the, the fruit of faithfulness manifest in our lives. Now, here's what I want, want you to see uh, in your outline D, faithfulness defined is trustworthy, sure, true, everybody say true, true. loyal, reliable, accurate. Okay, a faithfulness doesn't just mean showing up every time or being, being you know, having perfect attendance, though that could be part of it. But it means trustworthy, sure, true, loyal, reliable, accurate. This means I've got, if I must be true and loyal to, to, to and or, or represent accurately the one I'm being faithful to. So it makes it, I've got to be, I've got to accurately represent the one I'm being faithful to. Yeah? I've got to be a true arrow. I can't, I can't have a deviation. So some examples of faithfulness. Well, faithfulness to Jesus. So what would that entail? Well, that would entail you and I yielding to the fruit of the Spirit and accurately representing Him. Remember, he said, many of you in Matthew 7, many of you in that day will say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I'll never knew you. I don't think he's just talking about they're not born again. I think he's talking about ministries that don't represent him. I don't know you. I don't, I don't recognize your ministry because it doesn't accurately represent me. You're not, you're not walking true. It's like, it's like you've got, you know, you've got time for people who have money to uh, spend time with them, but you don't have time for widows with issues. Jesus followed Jairus, right? And he followed him, and he was going to heal his, his daughter, but then he, got, he allowed himself to be interrupted. And a lot of big-time ministries today, they don't have time to be interrupted. But Jesus said, I don't know that ministry. I don't care how much anointment is flowing off of you. <laughs> Man, you need to, don't be like baby birds. Watch and see how people treat other people. You've got, you've got to check people out, guys. And he said, look, I don't know that ministry. Jesus had time to be interrupted by widows with issues. Are you hearing me? Jesus had time. Now, I understand some people become time robbers, but you know, the, you know, as you come, if you if you come the second year, and if you come into ministry school, we have all kinds of practical things 
Uh, I, I only want you in ministry school if you're supposed to be there, but you get, you get me a lot there. And in ministry school, we teach you this, uh, the, how, to, how, to det- how to distinguish somebody who's worth your time and somebody who's not. Everybody's valuable, but the way you ha- if somebody comes to you and they want your time, you have to give them an assignment. And if they don't follow up on the assignment, then you, know, you tell them, well, when you do the assignment, then we'll get together again. It's real simple. And everybody's valuable, but not everybody right now is is, uh, listening to you. They just want your attention. So then number two, faithfulness to accurately represent the Father's heart to people. That's important. Number three, faithfulness to your spouse and your family. And when we get into excellence in ministry in the the next term, uh, guys, you're, you're going to see that, that Jesus did not call you to sacrifice your family on the altar of the ministry. He's not asked you to do that. Are you hearing me? It's Jesus, then your family, your wife, then your children if you have children, if, your wife if you're married. Number four is your ministry or your career. Jesus and your ministry are not synonymous Your ministry is the fruit of your relationship with Jesus. Yeah? Then faithfulness to your employer where you're not, you know, gossiping and talking bad and, you know, even if they're not, uh, even if they're not saved or they're acting like they're not. Faithfulness in handling finances. And And how would we know what we're supposed to do to accurately represent the Lord? Well, just read the Word. What a novel thought. Just read the Bible. And whatever he says, okay, I've got, say, when I, when I read the Bible, and you know, we all love, we all love these wonderful verses that Jesus paid the price for my, for forgiveness of sins and made me righteous and, and, and peace of mind. And then, he, then he's given me healing and, and financial blessing and all these things. But what about those verses that are probably not on your refrigerator that, that say things like, you know, don't be overcome by evil, Romans 12, 21, but overcome evil with good. What about loving those people that are difficult? What about forgiving those people that, that haven't even asked you for forgiveness? All these, all these things, are you faithful to that? Are you true to that? Or are you a Burger King Christian? Yeah, I'll have it my way. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a little bit of healing, and I'll take a little. I'll take some prosperity. I'll take peace of mind. I'll do, but not forgiveness. No way, Jose. No, we're not going to forgive. We're not going to. No, I am not overcoming evil with good. I'm going to get even. Now, listen, guys. You can't have it your way and be a disciple. There's a lot of believers, but it costs you nothing to be a believer. Nothing. It costs you everything to be a disciple. And by the way, you have grace for that too. So this is not, it's not works. You're a disciple by God's grace. But you have to, it has to do with surrender. And are you faithful to that? Faithfulness to your church family and spiritual authority. Well, I wouldn't make that stupid decision like they made that I would make well you know what if you knew the behind the scenes you probably would but you don't know that you're you're the arm you're the 
you're the anointed armchair quarterback. That's going to be, that's going to just, you know everything about everything, all wise and knowing one, right? Listen, there, you're gonna, there are going to be things that happen here in school you don't agree with or, man, I've been in business and I've done this and I've done that and if I was in that place, yeah, but you're not. And you know what? God, God brought you here and he gave you two ears and one mouth. What do you think that's about? You've, listen, God did not send you here with a voice. He sent you here to have an ear. You think, do you think he wanted you to learn some things? Okay, now there'll be a time that you, can, you, have, you have a voice and you've got a message, but not, not just blasting everybody and telling everybody, you know, you're, you're, just, a, you're just a legend in your own mind. <laughs> I love you, you're just a legend, man. <laughs> in, in other words, your life and words are true to the word in each of these areas. See, faithfulness means being true to it doesn't just mean showing up. You can show up and then have all big grumble and gripe and complain. You're not faithful. And that doesn't mean you're a doormat. And it doesn't mean if somebody asks you to do something that uh, it violates the word that, you, that you're, you're to go there. No. But you haven't even learned to submit and be faithful until you're willing. Everybody say willing. Till you're willing to do something that someone in authority asks you to do that you don't agree with. I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about, you know, you, you're called and anointed of God and you go out and you, you want to have a place in the ministry and you get the, you get the uh, fourth John ministry. First, second, third, and fourth John <laughs> ministry. Or you get to clean the toilets. How many of you up for that? Praise God. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> let me give you, let me give you your, your toilet brush and yeah. hallelujah. Essential keys to develop faithfulness in your life. You can find it right here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Be strong in grace. First of all, be strong in grace. Strong means strong. And just, just look at it. 2 Timothy 2, therefore, my son, verse 1, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That, first of all, has two applications, at least two. Number one, strong in your dependence upon the Lord. When Creflo Dollar was here last year, he just talked about, you know, uh, really living in grace has to do with you depending on the Lord and not yourself or someone else, as opposed to your dependence on yourself or, some, or, or others. Relying on your ability or your performance will cause you to wear out, burn out, fall or fail. Yes? It also has to do, being strong in grace, it has to do with being strong in staying within the measure of what God has assigned to you. Now, if you'll read the Word, you'll see in Second Peter, it talks about that, there, um, that, that the grace of God is multidimensional. Okay, it's the manifold grace of God. So it's not just one understanding of grace. There's a grace that all of us have because of the cross. But then there are, there's a grace assignment that you have. And that's not the same for all of us. True? 
Not each one of us has the same assignment. And, and part of the being strong in grace has to do with staying within the measure. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Tim, uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Said, I, I don't, I don't go beyond the limit or beyond the boundary of my grace, of the thing that God's assigned to me. Remain faithful to what you know is your measure of rule, not someone else's. Are you hearing me? Faithfulness is not faithfulness outside of what God's assigned to you. Let me just hold your place there in 2 Timothy in 2 Corinthians, a verse I was just talking about in 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul said, verse 13, however, we will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which includes you. We're not overextending ourselves beyond that sphere. Um, that's in verse, thir- that's verse 13 and 14. So what is, what is he saying? There is a grace that has to do with my assignment and part of being strong in grace means to stop going overextending yourself into other people's business. And you, you look, it's like it's like it's like Jesus telling Peter, "Look, uh, you know you're going to die a bad death. Okay, you, do you love me? Yeah. Okay. Look, uh, at the end of your life, they're going to hang you upside down. Uh, it's it's not going to be cool. Are you okay with that?" And he said, yeah, I'm okay. What about my friend over here? I'm okay about dying a bad death as long as he is. And then Jesus said, well, what if I will that he lives forever? Is that, is that okay with you? You follow me. You follow my path. That'd be like God calling somebody here to, uh, you know, help, in the, help Pete Snyder or uh, Cindy Pearson's reach into the underground church in China and it's not that you're going to take a vow of poverty, but you're not going to be living in luxury in the underground church and learning the language and all kinds of things. And, in, and he's called your friend sitting next to you to win the lottery. Are you okay with that? I said, are you okay with that? God calls one of your friends to go to Hawaii. How many of you feel the anointing to go there? <laughs> no, man, you got, look, God's got a purpose for you, but you cannot find that purpose lusting after someone else's. I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything. Are you willing to do that? I said, I'll go anywhere and do anything. When God called me to ministry, I left Bible college and I built a mega church in three years. We grew from 14 to 40 in Houston, Texas. And I was complaining to the Lord one time, God, you, you, I know you've called me for more than this. And, and, uh, and he spoke to me, he said, if all I sent you here for was what I did in, this, in the life of this one man, is that enough for you? Yes. And he said, I, I would send someone across the globe to minister to one of your children. Amen. And I just settled into my call. And then he called me from Houston, Texas, a bazillion people, four million people. He calls me to Decatur, Texas. Five thousand. The, the whole town rolled up at six o'clock. 
I mean, God, you're sentencing me to anonymity. <laughs> but I went, I went because he, he called me there. And I got other friends that are pastoring, you know, 5,000 people, and I'm, you know, got 50. And, but then in, in Decatur, the church exploded and from like 60 people to, to 400 in a town of 5,000. It was amazing. And, and, uh, but that, Decatur, that's where I met Bob Nichols, my pastor, who I'll, I'll be introducing in the next hour to you. Um, that's where I met Andrew. That's where I met Paul Milligan. Just being, just being obedient. Just being faithful to what God, to the assignment. How many of you are willing to go anywhere and do anything? Amen. God sees that. The number uh, in your outline, in number of B in, uh, in your outline, verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier. Um, you know, soldiers in basic training, they, they harass you, put pressure on you, hardship on you, ask you to do things that make no sense or any rhyme or reason, in order to prepare you, prepare you for battle, right? And our reaction to hardness determines whether we endure and are promoted or wimp out and get busted. True? How many of you, how many of you want to be promoted? Well, you're going to have to endure some hardness. I said you're going to have to endure some hardness. Some of us are just too stinking soft. You want everything comfort, comfortable and convenient and everything's easy. I got news for you. When God promotes you to, to serve more people, the, the challenges become greater. And God doesn't want any wimps out on the front lines and certainly not in leadership. In Deuteronomy 20, he's talking about, look, find all those who are fearful and pull them out of the battle. Get all the wimps, move them out. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to advance my kingdom with spiritual wimps. If you, if you're, you got a constant whine in your voice and oh, oh God, I know you sent me here, but I don't know why I'm going through these things. And you know, man, grow up. <laughs> Start praising God. Start thinking about blessing other people. Start. Uh, draw, draw, God, you sent me here and you're going to take care of me here. And don't go sit on a park bench or out here. Go to work. Go get a job that you don't like. Flipping burgers or whatever. Be willing to do whatever. There are jobs out there, guys. And some people just believe in God's going to take care of They're not going to work. No, no hardness. That's, that's not smart. I want to say something else, but I won't. <laughs> Look, soldiers can't be afford to be in touch with their feelings. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings. He's got to be. They've got to be in touch with the officer in charge and their fellow fellow soldiers. And until you resist to the point of shedding of blood, you have no reason to complain. Just read that verse. I haven't yet resisted to the shed point of shedding of blood like Jesus did. Have you? They haven't hung me up on a cross as an innocent man. Well, stop all your belly aching, whining, and complaining, and, and realize that God's training us. And if you're going, if you're going to be promotable and God add ability to you, you're going to have to stop all the whining. And start praising God, start worshiping God, start, start being a believer that He can trust. 
and a disciple. And many in the body of Christ, the army of God, think they have the right to complain about anything. It's just too hard. I can't take it anymore. I just can't handle this. I, they did me wrong. You know, how many of you ask God to use you? How many of you ask God to use you? And you get used a little bit? And you whine like, like, oh man. You never hear a soldier saying these things. Are you soldier or mama's boy? Come on. Are you soldier or a mama's boy? Good preaching, Pastor Greg. Hallelujah. For the most part, we're just too soft. Therefore, unfaithful in tough times. God can't trust wimps to do tough things. Are you hearing me? And that does not develop faithfulness in us. We make provision for everybody's flesh to stay a baby. And we need to, no, it's time. Look, I'm, I have compassion on people, but we speak the truth in love to them and help them to grow up, not enable them to stay a victim. They're not a victim. They're victors in Christ. And then verse four, make pleasing God a higher priority than your involvement with the necessities of life. Look at verse, verse four. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So he lives to please his commander and to protect his unit. Living for yourself will cause you to justify running from a fight or a bullet. A good soldier in God's army doesn't entwine himself with the stuff of the world that will keep him from obeying the Lord. Remember Gideon's army there were 10,000 men against 30,000 or how many ever. And, and then God separated, you know, uh, a group of them. And then, then the rest of them, uh, he, he determined, or what, or what was it? He had 30,000 and 20,000 and then he went down to 300, right? And, and what, how did he test those 10,000? And he sent 9,700 of them home. That when they were drinking water, Okay, he said, watch those, watch those that just, that just grab the water like this or those who are, who are immersed in their need. And, and those who are immersed in their need uh, se separate those, but those who are lapping like a dog who are just looking, they got their eye on, on the prize and on the goal and, and they're not immersed in their need. Gideon's army, 9,700 men spent unnecessary time on necessary things. Are you hearing me? How many of you want to be counted faithful? Guys, there's a lot of things in life that are just, they're not sin, they're just unnecessary. And we immerse ourselves in those things. And I'm not saying get condemned with that, but about that, but look, de determine, I'm going to, I'm not going to spend unnecessary time on necessary things. Did you hear that? Faithfulness involves being available to the Lord more than any other priority in life, and then you must be holy at His commanding officer's disposal. Then, and then uh, verse 5, read verse 5, and also uh, if anyone competes in, in athletics, he is not... Um, He's not crowned unless he competes according, according to the rules. Okay, so 
That's this is talking about training and discipline, right? In, in the Olympics, there's an athlete training for the games. Olympics, the Olympic athlete schedule, diet time is not their own. They don't train in spurts. Their training requires consistency, discipline, and self-denial on a daily basis. How many athletes train because they enjoy it? They don't. Why do they do it? To obtain a corruptible crown or a gold medal or whatever. But we do it for an incorruptible crown. Amen? We've got it in. Look, look guys, we're, we're going to stand before the Lord on that day. And if you think it's, it's not heaven or hell issue, but if you think it's equal opportunity, employer, socialism in heaven, everybody gets equal rewards. Yeah, we all do the same. No, you don't. You, you've got an assignment from God. And, and it's going to be well done, good and faithful servant. Or, well. <laughs> which one is it going to be for you? We do it for an incorruptible crown. Part of our training involves disciplining the flesh to do things it doesn't want to do. Read the Bible, study, pray, go to church, walk in love, you know, all, all these things, forgive, <clears throat> listen to me teach, whatever. Winning at anything involves practice, hard work, disappointment, and trials. But every winner realizes that discipline accomplishes something, and that is a reward. True? Discipline accomplishes a reward. And then uh, verse 6, look at verse 6. The hardworking farmer must first uh, uh, be a partaker or, or be first to partake of the crops. So you've got to first live it before you export it. That's part of being faithful. Is it working for you? Is it feeding you? Is it blessing you? Don't be teaching stuff that, that you haven't got down in your own heart. Amen. Don't, don't recommend somebody to read, uh, to read a book that you haven't read. Don't peddle stuff that you haven't tried or don't use yourself. A principle of ministry. Feed others out of the overflow of what God has fed you with. Out of the overflow of what he's fed. and What, he's, what has God made real to you? Don't sell your revelation short. What, what is it that has taken down your, taken out your line and your bear? What, what have you believed God for and he's brought to pass in your life? That, don't sell that revelation short, man. Teach that, preach that, testify that, share it with others, amen? amen. You've, got a, you've got a testimony. Another aspect of a farmer is he's, is he's hardworking and patient. A student can cram for a test, but a farmer can't cram for a harvest. True? There's no shortcut to faithfulness. A Chinese bamboo tree, it grows just very, uh, very little in, in, the first, in the first four years, but in the fifth year, it'll, because it's developed a root system, it'll grow, it'll grow 40 to 60 feet. It took five years to develop the root system. Stop trying to microwave your life and your ministry. That is not faithfulness. You don't get to, you don't, you don't get to microwave this thing, yeah? 
And then here are the rewards of faithfulness. In verse 2, you're entrusted with precious things and qualified to lead. That's, um, and the things which you've heard from me among many witnesses commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you're entrusted to teach others when you're faithful, when, you, when, you, when you're true to, uh, to these things that, that, God is, that God's put inside of you. Then, you. then ability to teach and communicate and to disciple others. But uh, I, I heard Andrew teach this one time and, and I went up afterward and I said, did you ever read? He stopped at verse six. And I said, Andrew, did you ever read verse seven? And he said, well, yeah, I've read it, but he said, I never connected it. Look at it. Consider what I say Consider what I say about what? What are we talking about? What's the context? Faithfulness. Consider what I just described to you about, taught you about faithfulness and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Guys, when you, when you are faithful, when you draw on the life and the faithfulness that's on the inside of you, you get a promotion, you get enablement, you get God entrusting you to disciple others. You get understanding in all things. And in Matthew 25, uh, 21, promotion and eternal reward. Amen. Man, is that exciting or what? All because, all because you've understood that faithfulness is part of, of your very nature. Say, I'm faithful. And, and faithfulness doesn't just mean you show up every time. Faithful means you're, you're true. Say, I'm true. In my, in my nature, I'm just like Jesus. I'm a straight arrow. I'm just accurately representing him. So uh, enablement comes to me. Ability comes to me. <clears throat> Understanding in all things come to me. And promotion comes to me because I, I, have, I am faithful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I speak faithfulness over you in Jesus' name.